Can we now turn to our Bible reading? And I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that, through the Gospel, the Gentiles are heirs, together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God, with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are my glory. Back in 1960, Jerome McCarthy developed what have been come to be known as the four ingredients of the marketing mix. Product, price, promotion and place or distribution. At the beginning of Ephesians chapter 3, Paul celebrates the launch of the gospel of Jesus Christ, an event planned from the dawn of time, the exact details of which were kept as a closely guarded secret until the time came for the revelation of the dazzling, variegated, and multifaceted wisdom of God. This was God's brand new product. Centuries in the planning and preparation, launched through the Apostle Paul, created through Jesus Christ. The product was a brand new version of humanity. An update on the previous version, which had always been dogged by moral failures and breakdowns, internal conflict and the occasional complete meltdown. At the head of this renewed humanity was none other than God's own Son, Jesus Christ, come in person to set up and to model the new way of being human and to demonstrate its effectiveness. The problem of a lack of integration, a lack of communication between God and humanity, which had been the root cause of all the previous problems, was to be resolved. This time there would be contact. There would be clear communication there would be an effective synergy between God and his people. 
which would be directly powered and controlled by the Spirit of Christ himself. The conflict between different branches of the human race would be resolved as all due to be incorporated together into one new entity with Christ at its head. In his manifold wisdom rather than right humanity offers a costly failed experiment, God decided to invest heavily, immersing himself so completely in the task of resolving the crisis situation that he held nothing back, even being prepared to spill his own blood if it came to that, which ultimately it did. The human race was supposed to have been the image of God in this world, entrusted with the task of governing the world effectively on God's behalf. And despite the problems and setbacks and issues, God had been 100% committed to the project. There was no turning back. He has remained completely committed to seeing it through to the end. And Paul knew that with the coming of Jesus Christ into the world, God had done something radically different to fix the problems of human nature and to create in his son a new people. A people who would effectively match the initial job specification of being God's image in the world. As his church, it is our role, our task, our privilege to live the kind of life together that God envisaged when he first made a world undamaged by human sin. An impossible mandate? Certainly, without divine help. But it is our mandate. It is our task. And in God's Son, through the enabling of the Holy Spirit, God is committed to making that happen, for us to be recreated and renewed in the image of God so that we can govern and bless the world as God intended. What is God's brand new product? hidden for centuries, unveiled in Christ, it's us. It's quite a calling to live up to, isn't it? The second ingredient in the marketing mix is price. How much are people prepared to pay for the product? Tricky one, this. God has borne the entire cost of developing and launching the product himself. To the world, it is completely free. Yet it does involve signing up to give God exclusive and complete rights over your life. And that makes sense. You can't effectively live as God's people if you keep working to your own agenda rather than his. As such, signing up to this program will necessarily involve change, transformation even. Nothing will be the same again afterwards. But such is God's confidence in his product, that he is prepared to guarantee that all those who sign up will see a change for the better, not necessarily in their circumstances, but certainly in their capacity to live life to the full, definitely in the eventual outcome of their lives, which is eternal life rather than destruction, and in our capacity to form effective partnerships with others based on clear, honest, loving communication, trust and forgiveness. Signing up entails giving God permission to make changes to our lives which cannot afterwards be reversed. There's no going back to the previous version. Believe me, there are changes he wants to make 
there are changes he will make. Believe me too, you won't regret them. What's the price then? Everything to God, nothing to us, except signing the exclusive rights of our lives over to God on a permanent basis. So yes, you may well see that as a cost, and it needs weighing up extremely carefully. Paul, after all, regularly describes himself as a slave of Jesus Christ, or as he does here, a prisoner of Christ. There was a real sense in which he had lost his independence. He signed it away when he started following Jesus. But you never see him regretting it. Paul's own role was a dual one of being involved in both promotion and place or distribution. He was headhunted specifically for the purpose of expanding the good news of Jesus Christ into the overseas market, a job which involved travelling all over the Mediterranean world, journeys which in those days were frequently lengthy, arduous and dangerous. What's more, he usually travelled at his own expense, but he didn't mind. For him, there was an immense sense of privilege in being singled out as the person to take the good news of the unsearchable and unfathomable and boundless riches of Christ into the wider world. To tell everyone that he met that God welcomed them into his family, no matter where they came from, what they'd done, what they'd been like. God included them, together with his people, into one body, and literally promised them the earth when the time came for the entire world to recognise and submit to the sovereignty of Jesus Christ as Lord of all. Paul had good news to share, and he used every means at his disposal to commend the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone. It was his privilege to do so. Though he saw himself as being unworthy, the least of all God's people, he had that sense that God had lifted into his feet, that God had given him a new life, that God had given him a new purpose. That, after all, is what God is in the business of doing, lifting people up, giving people life, giving people purpose. And Paul was so thrilled with the difference that God had made, he could not stop talking about it. Then as now, you can't beat the power of word of mouth when it comes to advertising and promotion. And he knew he had been entrusted with, well, the NIV uses administration as the word, the administration of the secret of God's grace. Well, we know that good admin is vital to the effective effective working of any organisation. But it's a bit of a colourless word. I'm not sure it's a word that captures really what Paul was on about here. A better translation might be the word stewardship. Now that's a bit of an old-fashioned churchy word as well. Yet Paul was a bit like the steward on a plane or on a train that comes along with a trolley, serving people and distributing food. Paul's main responsibility was mass distribution. And that comes close to the meaning of what stewardship is all about. A steward's job is all about supply, delivering, getting the product where it needs to be. A plane is well stocked with food and refreshments for passengers. The steward's job is to make those resources available to the people that need them. In the estate of a large household, the steward's job is the effective management of resources, ensuring that supplies are at all times sufficiently available to meet the demands 
that are in place. We talk about stewarding at events or being a steward in church these days. That probably derives from its original use, since the task of a steward in an event is moving people effectively from A to B, getting stuff from one place to another. It's people rather than food in this case. But the point is, it is about managing delivery of what needs to happen. It is the effective management and delivery of resources. That is what stewardship, management, is all about. And Paul was a steward. He was a manager of God's grace. He was engaged in the fourth ingredient of the marketing mix, distribution from place to place. The good news of Jesus Christ was now available on a worldwide basis. His monumental task was ensuring that it was distributed as quickly and as effectively as possible. If you look at a map of Paul's missionary journeys, and and Graham has put one in the style of a a London tube map on the missions notice board outside, if you look and see where Paul went, you will see that he targeted towns and cities on the major routes that crisscrossed the Mediterranean world. Each church he founded was put in place to be a distribution centre for the gospel. And nothing thrilled him more than hearing other people telling him, have you heard how those Christians in Colossae or in, or in other places are doing? Everybody's talking about the difference it's made to them since they turned to Christ. That was a thrill to him. Hearing other people telling him how well the churches in the different cities were doing. Because every church was intended to be a visible manifestation of the good news of Jesus Christ being lived out in practice. Commending the effectiveness of God's new project product to that region by example. Showing what it means to be the new humanity living together in harmony and peace and forgiveness and grace in Jesus Christ as God intended we should be from the word go. Paul was into promotion and distribution of the good news. And that is our task today here in Brighton Road Baptist Church in the 21st century. The product is unchanged. A new humanity in Jesus Christ. The price remains the same. Costly to God. Free to us when we sign up for it. Promotion and distribution, that continues to be our business. Paul's vision was that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God might be broadcast, not just through the world, but even in the heavenly places, in the spiritual realms, to the rulers and powers there, triumphantly declaring to everybody, Jesus Christ is Lord. Our mandate is to be like a microcosm of heaven in the here and now. So that people, when they look at the joy we get out of worshipping God the unconditional love and support we give to one another, our readiness to forgive when things go wrong, our willingness to serve at personal cost. They catch just a glimpse of what heaven might be like when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now I think Brighton Road is a fantastic church. But if I'm honest, and I have to be in the pulpit, don't I, we still have quite a way to go before we get there. Before people clearly see in focus when they look at us, wow, heaven must be something like that, but better. You get the occasional fleeting glimpse, but there's still work to do, perhaps. 
Yet that is our mandate. The promotion of the gospel of Jesus Christ by the love we have for each other and the love we have for God. The overflowing of the love of Jesus Christ for us that God pours out into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. Look at how those Christians love each other was the grudging admiration expressed by the pagan world for the early church. It's in the warmth of the love and the care and the support and the understanding that we give to each other. The sharing of joys and sorrows, the forgiving of sins, the restoration of broken lives. That is how we commend the technicolored wisdom of God to the visible and the invisible world. Humanity as God always intended it should be. That vision of humanity made possible in Jesus Christ as we live it out in practice. And distribution... Well, those of you who commute on the trains outside of the immediate Horsham to London line will will know that from time to time you get a message telling you that snacks and drinks are available in the buffet car. And you have to get up and go and find out where it is. Some trains, they bring the trolley to you. And you can just stay seated and it comes. Some churches say, come to us and we will introduce you to Jesus Christ. And you have to find the right church that's going to do that. Others take the message out to where the people are. What kind of stewards of the gospel are we going to be? Do we wait for people to come to us? Or do we go out to them? Which is the more effective distribution method? On a train, of course, a single steward can catch everyone by pushing one trolley up and down the train. Nobody has anywhere else to go. If you don't have a captive audience like that and one person is all you've got... It may be more efficient to have a central distribution point and let all the people come to you. Here at Brighton Road, of course, you haven't got one person. You've got two ministers, even if one of them is in hospital at the moment. But we also have some 280 members. And you can double that if you include all the members of the congregation. So when it comes to distributing the gospel of Jesus Christ modelling what it means to be a member of God's new humanity. God has over 500 of us here at his disposal. Covering an area from London down to the coast, from East Grinstead across to Guildford, depending where we travel for work or for leisure. 500 people distributing and promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ by how we live for him as Christians who declare that Jesus is Lord. Showing what it's like to have Jesus in charge. Making known the fathomless wisdom of God which is now available free of charge to every person in Sussex, Surrey, London and across the world into Mozambique, Tunisia, other parts of Africa, the Middle East, Haiti, Prague, Cambodia, everywhere God sends us. The four ingredients of marketing, product and price, God sorted those. Promotion and place, it's down to you and me. Wherever we go, whatever we do, whoever we meet, however we live, God calls us to commend the gospel of Jesus Christ, to show what it means to live as someone who says, Jesus is Lord not just in the songs that we sing here on a Sunday morning, but how we live for him in practice the rest of the week. 
Let's pray together. Lord, you call us to be your friends, members of your family, your co-workers. Thank you for the privilege of being invited to reflect all that you are into your world so that others may be drawn through us to worship you. You invite us to invade and infect the neighbourhood, to make a difference by living in your light and inviting others to taste the goodness of God. You invite us to be beautiful and attractive, to flaunt God's marvellous new creation so that others are drawn to your wonderful light. And Lord, we're all ordinary people here. But by your Spirit, may we take on your nature and be transformed in Christ so that we can change the world. Lord, so fill us with your Spirit that we cannot keep you to ourselves as we live our lives wholeheartedly for you. Amen.